What if you were able to sit down for lunch with some of the greatest leaders in the world? What would you ask? What would they say? Welcome to the Lynch with a Leader podcast, where you're invited to join us in learning the spiritual principles behind big success. Here's your host, Mike Lynch. Have you ever been around somebody that just has it? It's not looks. It's the it factor. It's that thing. You don't even know how to quantify it. You're like, they're just different. They move different. They lead different. They always stand out no matter how sharp the crowd may be. Well, today we're going to talk about what that factor is in episode 194 of Lynch with a Leader, where we talk to William Vanderblumen on unicorn leaders and essential traits. I'm so glad you've joined me today. If I've never met you before, my name is Mike, and it is my honor to be on this leadership journey with you as we're all seeking to be the leaders that we were created to be in the spaces and places that God has put us. I would say the people that get on this podcast, the people that have been guests, all are unicorns. They're the people that stand out. They're the people that are a little bit different. They're the people that move a little quicker, a little faster. There's just something about them. And William Vanderblumen and his team at the Van- Vanderblumen Search Group have gone in to data-driven facts about what it is that makes people stand out. If you don't know William, he has been in executive leadership over 15 years. The Vanderblumen Search Group is the premier search group for many nonprofits and churches. He has a background in leading in the church world as a senior pastor. He has been in the business world. His group and his team have been recognized with tons and tons and tons of culture awards in Houston. And you're going to love William. He brings it. He's always on point. And he was a guest early, early on in our episodes. And I was so excited to get him back on. Unicorn Leaders is right on. In fact, at my team at North Star, I kept talking about it. I kept telling people about it. They're like, I want to read about it. I'm like, oh, we're going to read about it. We're going to do a team read next spring because these are things you want your team to get. So I don't know where you're listening from today, but I'm going to promise you something. You want to take notes. You're going to want to get these things down and you're going to want to get this brand new book that's hitting today. Be the unicorn. Well, by William Vanderblum and the uh, show notes will have all the links, but you're in for a good one. So I want you to buckle up and I want you to pull up a chair and I want you to listen in to my conversation with William Vanderblumen. Well, William, thank you so much for joining me on this episode of Lynch with a Leader. It is an honor to have you back. Yeah, it's been too long, man. Glad to see your face. Uh, we're recording this now as the Astros are getting ready to go take the field against the Rangers. And and I don't just sympathize with brave fans. I empathize. We are getting <laughs> killed right now. and <laughs> It hurts, man. It's a deep oh. wound. You work all wound. year long. You work all year long, and then someone else gets hot, and the way it works. It's the way it yeah. works. You know, it's fo- so funny. I was looking back. You were on episode twenty-four 
in August of 2018. So you took a, wow. you took a shot on me back then in 2018. So we're still kicking around in 2023. What's changed about leadership since mm. 2018? As you've you look at the landscape of search and and working with churches and nonprofits and all the businesses you work with, what's changed about leadership since 2018? Golly, so many thoughts come to mind, Mike. I mean, first of all, what, if anything, has changed? Leadership's leadership, right? And uh, I think uh, we've all had to figure out some new things. I mean, back in 2018, we didn't know what a COVID was. Um, and now, thankfully, we seem to be on the far side of the initial impact of it. But, uh, you know, on the other hand, what hasn't changed? I mean, my goodness, the rules are different now. And uh, COVID seemed to be, I think for leadership, COVID was the great accelerator. So a lot of trends that were starting have accelerated to new fruition. And, uh, you know, if I had to boil it down to one leadership skill that I think is in much greater demand than bef in 2018, it's interpersonal human-to-human -human skills. Mm -hmm. I call them soft skills. Uh, it's just, you know, it's like uh, if, you, if you're if you familiar with Jesus' teachings, you know, he said, uh, what's the greatest commandment? He said, well, love God with all your heart, mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And I used to think that meant be nice to people, and, and it does, but I'm discovering it's like how intentional you are in how you relate to other humans. And, and now that we've come out of a time where we were locked down and left alone, I mean, that's Mike, I didn't realize it until uh, the pandemic, but the very first thing God curses in the Bible is people being left alone. Mm. It is not good that man be left alone. And so I think there's just a loneliness factor that came out of that 2021 20, era, and leaders have an enormous opportunity to step in and have intentional human-to-human -human relationships. It, it'll set them apart. And and. By intentional, I mean focusing on a few areas where you can really shine and people will notice. And you spend your life looking for leaders. You spend your life looking to match leaders. Is it getting harder or easier to find leaders that are the accelerated leaders that we're going to talk about in your new book? Is it getting yeah. harder or easier to find them? Um, I think it's harder to convince them to come to a job. Mm. I can find them, but the job market is super fickle right now. I mean, everybody's figured out, well, I can work from wherever I want. I can, you know, do whatever I want. Or, and, and unlike any other time, I mean, another acceleration from the pandemic, some people are just like, I'm going to do Ford side hustles. I'm not going to have a real job. So like, I think we, as a search firm are figuring out, we're probably more necessary than we've ever been, but it, it's not because the talent's not out there. It's because the, the landscape is very fickle right now. Uh, what, what's really cool, though, is I think we've started to discover uh, if you can't find a great leader, here's how you train a great leader. Here's mm. how you become a great leader. Here's how you can stand out of the crowd. Uh, so I, I think uh, I, I, on the one hand, best of times. On the other hand, worst of times. And, and at the end of the day, could be a great new chapter of learning how to become a leader. You know, you said something a second ago, leadership is leadership, whether it was before 2018 or after 2018. These traits that you identify in your new book, A Unicorn Leader, what made you write this? What was it that yeah. was stirring inside you that you're like, all right, I've been noticing this. I got to get this on paper. 
Yeah, it's a great question. I'm a terrible writer. Uh, so, I mean, I, you know, I, I, our friend, Kerry Newhoff, he loves to set aside three hours of his morning to be by himself and sit and observe things and write them down. I, I don't know about you, man, but that's, I'd about, I'd about rather dig a ditch. Yeah. I, you know, I, I want to be with people. Yep, that's <laughs> and, exactly uh, the same as me. So to write a book, it's gotta be something deep in me. That's like, this has got to get out. Mm. I tell people I've got seven kids. So I've been in the labor and delivery room a lot. Uh, I haven't ever personally delivered a baby, haven't gone through labor, but I've watched it. And what you go through to get a book out of an extrovert like me feels like a little bit of what I think my mm -hmm. wife felt. Now I get in trouble for saying that. So you don't know it, but just hear the metaphor. You know, it's yep. this thing that's got to get out and it's going to be painful getting it out. That's kind of it. And, and so what was that thing? It was uh, two things brought this book to four. Uh, one is a question I've never been able to answer, and and maybe you can help me. Um, you, you ever sit down with a leader? It doesn't happen very often, but you sit down with someone. It might be in a social function. It might be at a high school football game. It might be at a church event or business. And within five minutes of meeting them, you say, okay, this one's special. Yeah. This one is different. And before I had the job I have now, I, I would have told you that's only happened seven or eight times in life. I've wondered for the longest time, Mike, I'm just not the smartest guy. I'm not the smartest guy on this call. I'm not, you know, I'm still learning, but I'm not super gullible. Hmm. So how in the world, within five minutes, am I all of a sudden in love with this person and they're so great and they're all like, what is that? What yep. causes that reaction, Right. And is it possible to bottle it? <laughs> you know, so that's a question that's always rolled around in my head. And sometimes I've been around great leaders and not known they were great because I didn't know what to look for. Yep. And if you just wait on your gut to act, you, you might have to wait on bad taco night for anything to happen. That, right. That's right. That's right. So, so, so it's this question, like, how do you spot it when you don't feel it? And when you feel it, how do you test it? How, how do you know those standout leaders? I've never been able to solve that. So fast forward, we do our podcast 2018, 2020 rolls around. Every one of my clients shuts down indefinitely. And we were not, you know, we don't serve a whole lot of high tech clients. So it wasn't like Zoom where they're hiring left and right. Most, every one of our clients went into a hiring freeze. I'm guessing you guys did. Yep, that's now, right. We don't know what's going to happen. We don't know. Well, let me tell you a business lesson I learned. So on the wall behind me is my religion and philosophy degree and just not super helpful for starting a small business. <laughs> oh. I mean, I mean, I, Mike, I'm, I've got a, a college sophomore right now. He's taking philosophy 101, actually from the same professor I took it from. And uh, he's like, dad, I don't understand. They just ask all these questions. I'm like, philosophy people ask questions their whole career. Well, do you know what philosophy people spend their careers asking? He's like, what? Do you want fries with that? That's what philosophy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so, fantastic. So, so lesson learned in the pandemic. If every one of your clients has to close indefinitely, it will change your balance sheet <laughs> and it will free up your calendar. So I've had this question rolling around my head. What, why do I like Mike within five minutes? Why am I sitting here saying this guy's a winner? I don't know anything about him. He could be an ax murderer. But it... So in 2018, we realized something cool about our search work uh, or 2020, excuse me. 
Um, so when we do a search, like you guys hire us and we're looking for whatever it is, EVP of this, that, or the other, maybe there are 1,500 potential candidates of the people that we locate. You get serious and it's like 100 or 150. You, you, you make initial phone calls, it comes down a little more, zooms down a little more, down, 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 down. You get down to the bottom of the funnel, the very top, top candidates, probably eight or 10 of them, they're going to get a face-to-face, in-person, long-format interview from us, okay? During the pandemic, we realized we've done 30,000 of these now, of the best of the best, long-format, in-person, face-to-face interviews. So maybe we can answer this question. Do we, can we find the very best of those 30,000? Most of them were people you sat down and within five minutes, you've got this chemistry going on. Wow, what a winner. Can we find them? And we did because Mm -hmm. I have an amazing team that keeps great records. And so then we said, do they have anything in common? And the answer was yes. And the answer was uh, very consistent and super surprising. So, uh, you know, I expected... I expected the commonalities to be something like, I mean, who, who's, who's this kind of person? It's usually the quarterback or the head cheerleader, right? It's usually the MVP it, or if it's not sports, it's the, the, the people with an IQ of 160 or greater, yeah. right? Or, or they got to go to a great school. So they got a great network, you know, Ivy league or whatever special place it is. Not any of those things. It wasn't their looks. It wasn't their education. It wasn't their intelligence. It wasn't even, uh, how many friends they had on Facebook, right? It was how they treated other people. Mm. Mm. We identified 12 really distinct habits that were all human to human skills. Back to our original question, all like, how am I, what are my habits around people? And these 12 habits we found were incredibly common among what we call the unicorns, the, the best of the best. You meet them in five minutes and you love them. And we also found they're incredibly uncommon among everybody else. And uh, we, we did the study, if I'm really honest, I mean, this sounds awful, but we did it as a selfish study. Like, how can we learn how we get paid to spot unicorns? How do we get better at what we do? We're sitting around during a yep. pandemic. And when we figured out that every one of these 12 habits is coachable, teachable, learnable, repeatable, when we started seeing that, we're like, oh, we don't. Now we're not just spotting unicorns. We actually can teach you to become one. And it went from a selfish study to we got to make this a resource people can access because it's a harder time to stand out than ever, Mike. Yep. I, I don't know if you notice it, but like I go to check my messages. So it starts with text and then it goes to email and then I check Facebook and then I check Instagram and then I check LinkedIn. And then like it's so noisy out there. And, and, and the workforce is so crowded right now. You've got first time in U.S. history. We have five different generations working alongside each other in the workforce. That's never happened before. And, and I would argue there's a sixth. You know, you and I are Gen X, and then there's uh, millennials, and then there's Gen Z. How about Gen AI? Mm. <laughs> Artificial intelligence is yep. crowding workforce too, and it, it just makes it like, how am I going to make it? I'm too old and nobody's going to, I'm too young. I can't get a voice. I, so hopefully we've created a resource that will let people say, if I will practice these 12 habits, I will move from being 
part of everyone to part of a very select few, no matter what your job is. It, no matter what, you might be looking for a date. How do I stand out of that crowd? I'm serious. Like, yeah. I'm amazed the number of pre-orders we've had of parents buying it for their high school senior applying to college and college seniors getting ready to hit the workforce. It's un- so we. I think we tapped into something here that I never foresaw. I just wanted to know the answer to a question and learn how to do my job better. But once we saw the results of this research, this is no longer William's opinion on 12 things that'll make you great. It, it, in fact, I'm talking too long, Mike. Uh, if you just showed me the table of contents of this book, I'd say, duh, yep, that's an easy list. What, what difference does that make? But the difference is, this is not an op-ed. This is not my ruminations on what might be. This is data-driven. It's not hard. Practice these 12 things. You will stand out of the crowd. You know, you said something, and I think this applies to high school principals. It applies to college baseball, football coaches. It applies to sole proprietor business leaders and people that manage 30,000 people that might be listening to this. When you execute these things, you can become irreplaceable. That's and right. I 100% agree with that. What keeps somebody from wanting to do that? Because we're going to dive in. We're going to take two or three of these. Why would somebody go, yeah, but I've got the right degree or yeah, I've got the right looks or personality. What would you say? You know, I, I think the gap between knowing what we should do and doing what we should do is pretty wide. Mm. And Adam, I'll use me as an example. I, true confessions again. Uh, hey, I'll get a treadmill so I run more. And it ends up being a fabulous place to put dirty laundry. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? I think I mean, we own the same treadmill. <laughs> well, it's like, it's like uh, you know, January is going to roll around. Everybody's going to lose 10 pounds. It's not hard. Eat fewer calories than you take in. Eat smart. You will lose weight. And yet, yep. 90% of America has got some kind of eating disorder on some spectrum. Yep. So it's the knowledge of what I should do and the action of doing it, there's a gap. And I think that's why these are so uh, uncommon. And, and frankly, if they're not common habits to you, you're going to have to work a little harder. But let me just tell you, as a guy who started running and couldn't run 250 yards, I, I literally had to back up one telephone pole a day on my little run till I got up to two miles. And, and now I've done a bunch of marathons, not real fast, but I've done them. You can develop the habits. In fact, if I had a companion read, I would have James Clear say, James, let's sell this mm -hmm. as a bundle. Let's That's sell. Good. Here are the habits, and here's atomic habits and how you put it together. I, I just, I, it's so easily accessible and yet so rarely applied. And and your comment, the one that plays best with, uh, with others usually wins, is so true. Just that, that ability to work with people and work alongside. I was talking to a great pastor out in Colorado Springs, Brady Boyd. And he said, I said, what does it take to be great on your staff? And he said, just be nice. Just play nice, play nice <laughs> yes. to people. You work here a long time. It's so yes. true. So let's dive into these. I want to take a couple of them. Number one, you said one of the traits of a unicorn is they're fast, yeah. the fast skill. Why does being fast stand out? Well, we picked fast to to kind of get people to keep reading, but the reality is the better word is responsive. Yep. I'm not fast. 
I'm Dutch. We're built yeah. for wind. We don't <laughs> sprint. <laughs> so, you know, but it's, it's responsiveness. And I guess the, the short version is, you know, common among unicorns, very uncommon. We stink at getting back to people. We really, really do as a, as a human race. I'm one of them. Okay. Uh, the unicorns actually get back to people quickly. And we thought I stumbled into this when we started our business. I, you know, I started our business in 2008, which was not a really smart time to quit your job and start a new business. Um, but I did. And my wife was kind enough to say, let's try it. And because we didn't have any money and we had six kids and like, if you called me or emailed me saying, could you come talk to me about helping me find a fill in the blank? You know how quickly I got back to you? Like right then, like immediately because i needed to go buy groceries right yep. but the minute we get the least bit comfortable we fall off in our responsiveness and and we saw it in so many sectors mike we saw it oh you got a lot of business leaders listening probably they know this term inbound marketing mm. oh it's a term like basically if you've ever been on a website that says fill out this form and someone will contact you with more information Right. It could be that simple or you download a white paper and then you say, oh, please come help me or I'm buying a car. Somebody give me some. That's inbound marketing. Fill out the form online. Someone will get in touch with you. Right. Should be pretty simple. People pay thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars to have software that drives this kind of technology. So a study was done. This is not in the book. Uh, some years back, and it, it surveyed all these companies that were using inbound software, paying money for it. And they asked the question, is there a correlation between how quickly you get back to someone who filled out a form and how likely you are to get to talk to them as a prospective customer? Okay. Does speed matter? Right. So what they found was uh, if you respond to that filled out form within 60 seconds, you have a 98% chance of talking to that individual. Mm -hmm. 98%. If you wait 20 minutes, it drops to 60%. If you wait 24 hours, you have a less than 1% chance of talking to that person. Now, here's the kicker. They also surveyed to find out what is the average response time of all these companies taking the survey. Average response time, 42 hours. They're literally throwing away all these leads they're paying to generate because they just won't respond. When if you respond within a minute and it takes a little bit of maniacal, you know, behavior, but if you respond within a minute, slam dunk, you're going to talk to these people. So it's uncommon among most of us, common among unicorns. I mean, it's uncommon. Like we talked to um, eHarmony. And, you know, that's like, for those of you that aren't as old as Mike and me, that's like the OG of <laughs> Tinder. So, <laughs> so, so it's basically dating site, find my spouse, all that. So what do you have? You have a database full of lonely people who are really hoping to meet someone. And when they get a, I might be interested form, they don't respond. It's amazing. So when I say fast, it's not run the 40 and four, four, yep. right? It's not, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm super quick with my hands or something like that. It just means just get back to people. Mm. It's not hard and it sounds pedestrian and it's, but it's not an opinion. This is driven by data. If you do that, you will be shocked. I can tell you firsthand that 
that first year we were in business and I'd get right back to it. People would say, William, you got right back to me. I said, well, I'm really hungry. <laughs> but, <laughs> I can have dinner tonight. But but you, know, you don't understand. No one ever gets back to people. So I, I don't know. It's simple lessons that are rarely applied. You know, it's so funny. Do you find leaders that have been around a length of time feel like they can get to a place? They started as a unicorn. But now yeah. their business has grown, their organization grown, their church has grown, and now they almost feel like they can play by different rules. Have you seen that? Totally, totally. Yeah. I can tell you from my journey, yeah. uh, you know, failure, when you're in the valley, that's when you find out who you are. Yep. Right? When you're down in the dirt and you got to pick yourself up and get back up, you find out who you are in failure. In success, you're tempted to forget who you are. That's right. I think success is a greater temptation than failure. Yep. And, and I mean, you know, look at King David, look at, I mean, there's example after example, my biggest failures have been when I'm at the height of success and I think I'm all that in a bag of chips. Mm -hmm. I mean, here we are complaining that the Braves lost and the Astros are in bad shape right now. Seven years in a row, we've gone to the playoffs. Why am I complaining about anything? Yep. But it's just a, a success breeds entitlement and yep. laziness and calcification. And, you know, I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I think you're spot on. How do you keep that discipline? How do you keep the discipline where you're at in your business? I mean, you guys have grown and you're, you are the gold standard of that world that you're in. How do you keep that edge to stay a unicorn when it comes to responsiveness for you? I'm trying to learn, man. Mm. I'm trying to learn. I, I wish I had the five easy tips. <laughs> um, I've watched people who've done it. I remember a mentor years ago, really well-known guy, uh, said to me, William, I've seen a lot of people start well. I've seen a lot of people finish well. I've only seen a handful run the whole race well. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I don't know. You know, just don't forget who you are. That's good. That's really good. Then you said it's the one of the ones I wanted to sit on was the authentic. Why do people crave and love authentic people. Do you know this social platform, Be Real? Mm -hmm. Yeah, the whole idea was let's have a platform where there are no filters. Because mm -hmm. you look at social media, man, I would be horrible as a teenage girl in this day and age. I don't know how any of them come out no. without serious body issues. And like, because you look online and it's all curated and all fabulous. So Be Real comes out because we're going to be authentic. Well, the reality is we do be real just as a family. We have a huge family. So that's the only network we have. It's not going to the public. It's just, just family. And it's time to be real. And we're like, oh, wait, wait, wait. I got to get just right. That's not the point. <laughs> <laughs> that's not wow, real. I that think. is so good. I, I think it's just in our world where everything's so curated and there's a filter for everything. People are really like, am I that screwed up that I don't look this good? Can I meet somebody who will tell me what's really going on? And I, I think, you know, you don't have to walk around and share your wounds all the time to be authentic, but you do have to just be authentic. And, and there, there are a lot of keys in the book about yeah. how to you know, go about doing that. But there is a, if you will just be real with people, you will stand out of the crowd. It, feel, it feels so counterintuitive. It feels like if I could look an inch taller, if I, you know, the uh, was it, was it, 
Brad Paisley had the song. I look so much better online. (laughs) Online, I'm six foot seven. And (laughs) you don't need to look better. You just need to be you. Yep. And people will respect that. How, when you're sitting down with somebody, is there a trigger question you can ask to test the real piece of them, the authentic piece of them that you found to be something you're like, okay, this is like a red flag question. If I hear this, is there anything you've learned and you, you and your team interviewing 30,000 people in depth, how do you get past that non-real facade to find out who somebody really is? Yeah. Two, let me give you two questions. And one's I'll give you a, a hack. So if anybody out there is interviewing or getting ready to interview, It's one of the oldest questions in interviewing. Tell me about yourself. Mm -hmm. Okay. And nobody really knows what to do with that. It's not as bad an interview question as tell me your greatest weakness. I mean, oh, I never ask for a raise. I don't take any time off. Like (laughs) (laughs) terrible question. But tell me about yourself. Well, people don't know how to answer that most of the time. Most of the time it's like, um, well, I started walking when I was one and I went to preschool and and it's this long Some people uh, have a little pitch put together. The people who are truly authentic, and and all these habits are intertwined. The authentic usually have a higher than normal self-awareness index. So tell me about yourself. Oh, Mike, you're interviewing me to come work with you. And your church is busting at the seams. You're getting ready to build a big building. Who's building a building right now? You got people coming. I love the high growth that you have. Let me tell you about myself. I am an Enneagram seven. I love the next party. I love the next thing. Uh, standard rote tasks, same thing day after day. You're going to fire me within a week. I'm mm. horrible at that. But mm. you give me something where my job has other duties as necessary. I can do that. You know, in my first job in a startup, I didn't know anything about email lists. I had to build the email list for our company. And I found Emma as an email thing. And then we moved to MailChimp. And I had to learn this on the fly, but I loved it. Love, love, loved it. And, and we grew and it grew by 400%. Really lucky to be with a great team. My next job, I had to move from event to event to event to event. We just grew. The job description changed. I loved it. Now, when I look at where you are as a church and you want to, you want to offer me the chance to interview, to work with you, I'm like, I bet every job description at your church right now has other duties as necessary on it. Mm, mm. And I bet y'all are all having to learn new things and get on to the next part. And as a seven Enneagram, as an ID on the disc, that's what makes my heart beat faster, man. I'm excited about coming to work for you. I'm not going to be good at these sort of do it the same way every day. But if you need somebody who wants the unexpected and is ready to face new challenges, that's where I flourish. Mm. That's a little bit about me. Do you hear what went on there? Yep. It's, it's, Knowing enough about me to show how it affects you. Mm. So many of these, oh, so many of these habits boil back down to where's your attention? Is it on yourself or on someone else? You know, t- I'm sure a lot of people said it. Tony Robbins said it many, many years ago in a little setting I was in with him. He said, "If you spend your day trying to help people, you will never run out of business to do." Right. And so if you show an authenticity about here's how I'm wired, I love what you're doing at your church. I think how I'm wired matches what you need. That's a little bit about me. That's a different level of self-awareness and authenticity that is exceedingly rare and not hard to develop. It's just most people don't. 
That's right. And you nailed it earlier. We learn more from our failures than we do our successes. But when you aren't willing to share your failure for fear that it's going to be the black. I know when I began doing work for the Atlanta Falcons back in 08, the chaplain said, I know you played college sports and I play college baseball. He said, don't tell any stories in front of the team that glorify how good you were. Mm. And I said, is it okay to tell stories about how bad I was? It was, Oh yeah, they love those. But he said, what, what disconnects people most quickly in an environment of you and 20 NFL guys is when you go, you know, if I hadn't been hurt, I could have been sitting right where you are. He goes, no, you couldn't. You would have never sat where they were. And I think it applies in our business world too. And in the church world, that willingness to admit, I don't have it all together, but here is what I'm good at. I love, I love that illustration. That was really good. That was really good. Thank you. You talked about the curious and I want, I want to sit on this one as we end today. Why is curiosity a missing piece of so many people now? We we train, we get degrees, we we do all the right things, but we lose that element of curiosity. What why yeah. do you think it's it's missing as much as I've seen any of these missing in people? Yeah, well, so many of these habits I think we're better at when we're younger. Yep. Um, agility, for instance. Um, you say, well, you mean you're more curious when you're younger? Yeah. You ever have a two-year-old? What do they spend the entire day doing? Why? 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 And they're legitimately asking why. I think as we get older, we just kind of get used to routine or we calcify and, and we quit asking the why. But if you do like, if you look up the Simon Sinek talk, start with why, like what's it up to 74 bajillion yep. views or something yep. like that. I mean, it, most leaders don't. Uh, do ask why most people that aren't leaders just accept and move on or another dynamic. The world is so noisy right now that when you get the microphone or you get your moment in the spotlight, I think there's an innate uh, feeling I've gotten it. Oh, I've only got 60 seconds to get my point across. I've only got 140 characters to tweet that tweet. I, I got to get my idea out there. People don't want to hear your idea. They want to hear that you're interested in them. They mm -hmm. want to hear that you're mm -hmm. asking the right questions. And uh, I mean, you know, it's amazing to me how many times Jesus was asked a question and his answer was another question. And, and when I do an interview now, Mike, I'm now, now granted, I don't do a whole lot of searches anymore. In fact, I try not to do any, but if I'm involved in one for whatever reason, old friend or special situation, the team will do all the tell me about yourself and the, you know, forensics and the big long interviews when they get their time with me. And unfortunately my name's on the door. So they get a little more anxious, right? I've found one way to diffuse the anxiety and one way to learn about a candidate is say, Hey Mike, you know, you're talking to me about interviewing with the Braves or whatever. We're representing them. Um, I'm not going to be your boss. So why don't you just ask me whatever you want to ask me and I'll tell you the what's what. Boy, do I learn a lot hearing yeah, what you do. Yes. That's the best key to interviewing I know. Once you've got all the basic stuff done is to just forget me asking you anything, Mike. Let's use our time together to let me be a resource to you to let you know what it's really like working there. And you just ask, you're not going to offend me. It's okay. Don't worry about it. I'd rather you know what you're getting into. 
So ask away. Well, now I'm going to find out if they're prepared or if they're passionate, if they're curious, mm-hmm. find out all kinds of things. This book is a game changer, and I love it because successful people are successful for a reason, and they stay for a reason. You've built a great company. You're you're in the midst of your family life with seven kids. Which of these traits do you hope your kids say dad was the most? Oh, wow. Uh, you, you did a little plot twist there. I thought you were going to say, which one do I want my kids to emulate the most? Mm. Um, might be the same, might be the same one. Uh, and this is going to sound boring. I mean, I'm a verbal processor. So I'm just thinking on the fly, but, but the least common of the 12 habits is self-awareness. And it is also the biggest blind spot of the 12 habits. So after we identified the unicorns, we interviewed them, we surveyed them, where would you force rank these? And well, self-awareness was last, okay? Then we surveyed 250,000 people, long survey, but one of the questions, well, 12 of the questions were, where would you rate yourself on this trait or habit? You know, one to five, one being well below average, five well above average, you know how this works. Yep. 91% of everyone surveyed said they were above average in self-awareness. I'm no like applied math major, but 91% of a group is not above average. No, <laughs> The math doesn't work. No. So we all think we're better at it than we are. And it's the rarest of gifts. And if you think, you know, it's completely shifted my thing. I hate to keep going back to Jesus teaching. Sorry, but you know, Jesus says, Hey, before you worry about the splinter in that guy's eye, get the log out of your own, right? Mm -hmm. And I thought what he was saying was, judge not lest you be judged. Don't throw a stone if you're living in a glass house. I think what he might have also been saying is, you can't really help your friend until you understand yourself. Right. And, and, you know, even like way before Jesus, Socrates, my philosophy degree actually maybe helped, um, a lot of disagreement on what he taught because he never wrote anything down. The one universal agreement on what he taught, know yourself. The more you can develop some self-awareness, the more you'll be able to help others. The more you'll be able to, you might get a job offer. I don't want my kids to take a job that pays well. That I've been miserable in a job that pays well. That's right. It's not worth it. You know, can you find something that makes your heart sing? right? That adds value to the world that you're good at, that is needed and can feed a family. Like those are the criteria. And you can't do that if you don't know yourself. And honestly, Mike, I think we might be living in the single easiest era to know yourself. Go take the Enneagram, get to know yourself, go take the disc, get to know yourself. We took these 12 habits. We built a personality assessment around them. Real simple software to it. Here are my top three. Here are my other three. It's, and by the way, it's great for teams because Mm -hmm. Then you can build a development plan around your people. That's right. It's got a, a 360 capability where, you know, the boss takes it about you and the people working for you take it. About. You can start to know yourself. I think if there were one, if, if it's the secret sauce for success of the 12, if my kids could get to know themselves, that that would be really, really helpful. Boom. 
That was good, wasn't it? God, that was so good. William and his team have written something I think is going to be uh, something every leader is going to get on their shelf and probably going to be like me. You're going to order it for your teams because you want them to get these traits. These are spot on. And what I love about it is they're data-driven. They're not just my thoughts or William's thoughts or his team's thoughts. These are data-driven points, and they are so good. Man, thank you, William. You always, always, always bring it. And I just can't say enough thank yous. So good. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you enjoy this, please leave a rating and review. It really helps others find their way to us and find their way to this podcast so we can help them be the leaders that they were created to be. I'll look forward to being back with you uh, soon on episode 195, and we'll have another great leader to introduce you to. Now, I want you to go love God, go love people, and go live sent for Him. Thank you for listening to the Lynch with a Leader podcast with your host, Mike Lynch. If you enjoyed this episode, you can help more people hear it by subscribing and leaving a review wherever you may be listening. For full episode notes and more spiritual leadership resources, visit MikeLynch.com.